Hey there, I'm Grant. And I'm Sarah. This is Unspoken Ag, where two farming friends are tackling the tough issues this generation of farmers is facing. This podcast will cover everything from intricate family challenges to what life looks like after farming and to why young farmers and ranchers are fed up. We are talking about all the stuff no one wants to or they really wish people did. You know, the stuff that keeps you up at night and guzzling coffee in the morning. We're here to let you know you aren't alone. This is Unspoken Egg. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unspoken Egg. Today we have a special guest, Ms. Josie Linetti, who works for Minnesota Farm Bureau. Um, and today's topic, we're going to be talking a little bit about bridging the gap uh, between rural Minnesota, or just rural areas in general, and the metro areas. Um, you know, with the election cycle this last year and everything like that, there's a lot of things that have kind of been topsy-turvy, and there's a lot of divide. And Josie, so working with Minnesota Farm Bureau, we're kind of lucky because she actually grew up in the metro area, and so she really has a good insight on that. So, Welcome. Ms. Linetti. Grant, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. It's really fun that I've listened to this podcast over the last year, I guess now, and I actually get to participate in it. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So for our listeners out there, Josie, she's kind of, um, a, dare I say, a political nerd. That's probably pretty accurate. Just from the I would wear the I would wear the nerd title proudly. If there was a crown involved, I'd probably be happier. Because you because you you've you pretty much grew up in the state capital, right? Like you've made constant visits there your entire life, right? Yeah, Grant, that's true. Uh, whether that's dropping my mom off a, a new pair of shoes at 10 p.m. because her feet hurt, or a contact solution, I learned very early on was very important. Uh, <laughs> You know, I grew up in, uh, I was very lucky to grow up in in an area that was a great neighborhood that was not far from the state capitol, and it was somewhere that we went to on on school trips, and also uh, was kind of part of the family business. Right, and so now with your with your job at Minnesota Farm Bureau, um, at least up until COVID, you spent, were spending I mean, most of your days there working for Minnesota Farm Bureau um, and everything that that Farm Bureau stands for. So we thank you. Uh, I think I have to thank you guys. Um, part of how I got involved with ag was I fell in love with agriculture on paper. You've talked about, uh, you've talked a little bit about my background, how I spent a lot of time around the state capitol growing up. I think the way you guys learned, whether that's taking care of calves or, um, or using the planter, you, you, you learned that from your parents. Uh, what I learned from, from my mom was how to lobby. And that was something that was in the family business. And something that I was brought up very early on was to be engaged in the political process and to know, to know what I stood for and to know what things were important to me um, to be involved. And when I started out at the Capitol, you read through a lot of bills, you read through a lot of language, you sit through committee hearings. I worked on healthcare issues. Uh, the world of, of health and human services is massive and complex and probably the only industry I would say that has more acronyms than agriculture. Uh, but as my as my time, you know, being on the low end of the totem pole, um, you know, being staff covering different committees, I found I always took those agriculture and those environmental committee assignments. Um, I fell in love with egg on paper. It was so 
for me, it was so interesting to read about how the state of Minnesota was going to regulate or put programs into place that, you know, are value add for commodities that are value adds to farmers um, and that are better for Minnesota's economy as a whole. And then I took another role um, with an entity that represents a lot of the big businesses, uh, Fortune 500 companies that Minnesota is really is really lucky to have headquartered in our state for the tax dollars that those entities bring in. And I saw how many of those were related to food. Um, whether you have your Cargills, your General Mills, your Lando Lakes, those are huge companies that employ a lot of people that are based in agriculture. And when you've got you know students coming out of college with their marketing and their communication degrees and their fancy social media profiles, they're going to work for the Cargills this General Mills, the Land O'Lakes, um, you know, those, those industries and those businesses. And the root of that is agriculture. And I really put that together. And, and I, I feel <laughs> I'm really very lucky to, to love the job that I do lobbying uh, for the Minnesota Farm Bureau and lobbying on behalf of people like you, because when I'm talking policies, I know stories from, from you guys, you know, <laughs> talking about broadband. Sarah and I had really good conversations prior to this um, about how important it is to have it. And even, you know, as we've tried to do this, we run into a couple technology challenges. This is something that you can absolutely bring up at the legislature of this is a real world thing that happens. And I love that connection. Um, I love that connection between real life um, and the work that I do. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's kind of you know, like you said, you know, us in agriculture, you know, we're supplying jobs in the metro areas. But then, you know, just a, what, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, you were out towards my area and we were talking about, you know, the wind turbines and how we're supplying like the power for, uh, you know, for the metro areas also. And so it's what a lot of people don't understand is, I think, is that there are so many, um, you know, different bridges. I mean, the state of Minnesota, it's kind of like a, a big spider web. I mean, everything is connected to some capacity. It's just what people don't you know, necessarily realize, in my opinion, anyways. Grant, I love that visual of a spider web. Um, I think we're all interconnected. And I think a lot of the division we see between urban and rural communities is we've forgotten those little spider web pieces that hold us together because they're, because they're clear, because they're invisible. We don't see that in front of our faces the way we see, you know, the posts we see on Facebook, the marketing and the advertising other ways. Um, and we have, to, we have to figure out how to bring some color color back to those threads and whether that's through, you know, Minnesota grown products, um, whether that's through just the different ways that we communicate, you know, on behalf of agriculture. I think we're in a really good spot going forward that, that this pandemic has really connected, that people want to know about their food. And I think that's whether that's food, whether that's clean energy, that's something that we can capitalize on. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, a lot of things that I see in social media now, you know, there's a lot of things that people in ag would see. And I mean, so I'm, I'm not a full-time farmer anymore, but there's things that I get fired up about that, you know, it's like, I know it's like, gosh, if, if I get fired up about it, somebody that actually is, you know, doing the job every day, all day, you know, have to be, um, you know, a, a prime example of that is when um, Cory Booker was just placed on the um, federal Ag committee, right? So somebody that's totally anti-ag to be on the ag committee, you know, somebody 
that's you know you're just a farmer or you know your average farmer is going to look at that as an attack right so it's but i think social media is kind of one of those things that it's great but then it's also one of those things that's like you know is it being blown up more than it is you know by just that one thing right now she's thinking see i got her to think which is great she's pretty quick <laughs> uh it, it's hard for me because that's um it's a little out of my wheelhouse on the federal right. level um yep it, but your points about you know as in agriculture when we have people that want to get involved um that don't have those ag roots we we of course we get defensive and we see that as an attack because historically you know people in urban environments have not have not looked kindly upon the work that our farmers and ranchers do and that's and that's not something that's gone away yet and so at least from the legislative standpoint i think there's there's a lot of good work that lobbyists and um and organizations can do to work with those elected officials but at the end of the day it still stings i don't know another way to sugarcoat it sugarcoat it um all i can really say is elections have consequences and voters have short memories. So how do we lengthen those memories and remind people of those consequences? Right, well, that's just that. I mean, there's, so in, in getting ready for the show tonight, I was kind of talking to Danica a little bit about like what we're going to be doing. And so with this, so with her job as a nurse in an assisted living facility, um, she was talking to some of their clients today and in the last month, so it's a husband and wife, their um, price for their prescription meds has gone up six hundred dollars since and you know since day one, and so it's you know it's one of those things of where it's like well you know, we need to remember these things and remember the policies and you know not let all the little things kind of you know get to it on that right so it's I don't know there's so many things. I mean, so I brought the spider web, but like now the spider web is creating all these like little webs and knocking them down. And I don't know, it's all over the board. It's crazy, it's crazy. I think a way that might help to look at it, and this is why I wear my, my political nerd crown so proudly, is politics is people being people. And the work that I do is a lot about peeling back those layers, you know, the way you peel back the layers on an onion of what your rhetoric is on the top and being able to open up to see what's really moving things on the inside. Because, you know, whether you hear things from the media, whether you find out news on social media, you know, it's a lot of things you have to, you have to do your due diligence. You know, I think we've all forgotten that it's really important to trust, but it's really important to trust, but verify. If you're going to be going off of some information, um, I think something I take really seriously in the job that I do, and, and I know in my personal life too, because my friends call me on it all the time, is if I'm going to talk about something, you can bet I'm going to research it. Mm -hmm. And if people could bring that basic principle to a lot of the external communications that we have on an everyday basis, I think we'd probably get along a little bit better. Right. And actually, well, actually, I, I kind of saw that. Um, a little bit just with a family member, right? Like, I mean, I was kind of getting attacked a little bit and they were asking for references. So it's like, okay, here you go. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, I see where you're coming from. 
and then that's kind of how you can you know bridge these things together um you know because we talked about like in in rural communities how we're letting the social media you know kind of overtake things and kind of like you said it's not you know people aren't really like doing the research on it before they have the conversations and it's ruining friendships you know lifelong friendships are being ruined because of it you know because of this sad and that's really tough i hope everybody out there listening knows that your vote is your business you don't have to you know that's a really interesting thing in this election cycle that i felt super strongly about was that is absolutely my business. I'm going to research candidates. I'm going to, you know, look into these things. I'm going to have <clears throat> at the end of the day, you knowing who I voted for or me sharing, you know, campaign literature or, you know, quotes of people, that's my choice to bring that politics into my personal life or to bring it out there. Um, but again, politics is so integral to everything we've done. It's been in everybody's living room. I think we all can agree for the last four years at least, that politics has been in everybody's living room every night in a lot brighter of a way than it's been in the past. So you can see why people are jazzed up about it um, on both ends of the spectrum. Well, that's the one thing like I've always said too, it's, you know, there are certain candidates that I really, really like as a person. I just don't like their policy. And that's what, that, and that's what I always tell people to kind of base their decisions off of too. You know, you need to, like you said, you need to do the research. You need to um, figure out, you know, how could this person's views or, you know, this person's um, policies affect my life, right? And that's that's where I think a lot of the divide comes in, you know. Like Minnesota, for example, it's such an intricate state that, I mean, there there's one, and, and nobody's ever going to be 100% happy. I think we can all kind of agree on that. But it's more so like, well, what's going to help me versus what's going to hurt me? And sometimes it's, I think it's like the rural urban divide that it's going to help me, but it's not going to help you. So where's the middle? I guess that's my, I mean, kind of how I look at it anyways. Sarah's being kind of quiet today, but that's okay. Are you kidding me? You're not letting me get a word in, Grant. You're on fire here, so... I have lots of things that to go back to certain things that Josie's touched on, but you're, you're going, so. <laughs> I know. Well, it's one of those things, you know, when you talk for a living, you just kind of keep on rolling, so. I don't know. Plus, when I got a couple of my favorite people to talk to, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh, dare I say Grant would make a great legislator, someone who's really good at talking. Uh, there's, some, there, there, there's some jokes there that uh, I think we can all uh, – say about legislators and then lots of talking um that we it's been brought up before <laughs> but i'm not gonna going to announce anything at this time um but i just to kind of go back to your points of doing your research and finding all your information um you know i can think of like two things on the flip side where egg hasn't been doing it where i see it repeated and then also where urban hasn't been doing it um you know i think about the rocks and cows thing and I see it all the time and egg constantly repeats it but if you look at the full clip and how it was actually referenced it's like please please farmers please stop sharing this please stop saying this because it really doesn't have anything to do with it and then on the flip side you know most recently we had a video come out 
and just about understanding of uh, tax base and things like that. And I, I, it's just crazy to me how people don't do their research on both sides of things. Um, and then that information on social media gets huge because people share and share and they only share little snippets. And the media is shaping exactly how they want you to feel or think about it. I mean, after I saw Grant sent me that video and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so angry right now. And then I went to, you know, the policy for rural development, that center, and I started researching as much as I could. And I grabbed all those Fortune 500 companies, like you said, Josie. And I was like, okay, these are all ag-based. So rural is creating these jobs in the Twin Cities. Like, let's, we are the building block for these jobs. So how do we... How do we better communicate these things and just do better? Like, how do we do better? <laughs> Sarah, so many great points that I would love to dive into. First, can we set up the whole rocks and cows scenario and talk it through? Um, I just want to make sure your listeners, uh, your listeners know why we're talking about rocks and cows. With a little context here, there's somebody that's in certain higher power in our state whose spouse is actually from where I'm from. That's so here, so here, that is hit very, very hard. But did you ever watch the full video? I did, yeah, I did. But Because there's but, thing, because he wasn't dissing rural Minnesota at all. He was explaining basically right. how other people view things and that that's not the case for Minnesota. That's not how he sees it but mm-hmm. that's not what got portrayed so right well and, the, and like i said but here people picked up on the one snippet instead of right. researching oh yeah i agree i agree with that 100 mm-hmm. okay sorry to, sorry to interrupt back to it so as we so as we talk about this scenario what what i see this as is we're peeling back another layer of politics now we're in this this messaging layer uh, and this is where social media plays such a huge, huge role. And this is where um, policy strategists, um, <laughs> Twitter personalities, lots of different people love to be able to grab a snippet of something, love to be able to grab a message and blast that out there. And that is, that's a really interesting issue that we see because of this immediate access to social media. It's a lot easier to type with your thumbs and get something sent out than, than it ever used to be. And a lot of times too, you know, it's, it's that source of like, you know, why would you put it that way when you know what it looked or, you know, at the end of the day, that wasn't the intent behind it, but the regular population, you know, I would say people who aren't nearly as nerdy as I am, you know, that's a little tiny snippet of your life. You're busy. You're making sure that animals are watered. You're making sure that your kids are doing online school. There's so many other things that you would rather be doing with your time than following along with this tiny little conversation in a snippet of the political processes. You know, you have, you've duly elected these elected officials to serve for you. And to some extent, you know, that's what, and, you've trusted them to do that and that's what they're doing and that's what they're fulfilling in that role. And it's hard to, it's hard to separate how we see these people, you know, just because you're elected and you wake up the next day, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, your IQ has gone up. You're that much smarter. You just have a piece of paper. Uh, 
you know, I think we got to give a lot of people grace. Um, but I would also be a stickler for research and I would definitely encourage that people uh, make sure that you've gone to some sources or at least, you know, done a cursory Google search before you're going to post something on the internet. If you're not going to say it in front of your grandma, why would you say it at all? I guess that's not a grant, based on Grant's face, I'm thinking that's not a great analogy, but I'm just saying. Something to not, think about. Not with my family. <laughs> Mike, my family, way too political. There's nothing wrong with being political. And if at the end of the day, you can put it down and look at your family and look at your loved ones and know that you still, you still love them the same. The point of being on this earth as people is that is that we're all different. We all bring something right. to the table. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess because this is some, because politics is something that I do, you know, for my job, I'm a little bit easier to divide it. And so what's something that I want to challenge myself with is realizing that um, how serious and how much it affects people. And I think in, you know, in being able to lobby on behalf of agriculture, I can see how those ag policies so specifically either help or hinder my farmers and ranchers. And I say my, cause I feel so much ownership over looking out for you guys and looking out for your interests because, because that's how I see my job. That got a little tangential in there. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. But you do, I mean, you, you really do. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the cool parts like about with what you do is that, you have to have the ability to be able to see things both ways. You know, like why does this certain group think this way about my group or, you know, whatever. And before I think it's- we, Before we answer that, Sarah, did I answer all your questions? I wanna make sure that we, we got to those points that you had brought up. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for the most part, yeah. I think it's just, how do we continue to discuss those issues when we can't even understand that the basic building blocks for industry in Minnesota come from rural Minnesota. Um, people seem to forget that it, it, and so fast. I mean, the IT jobs that exist, exist because of rural Minnesota. The, like you said, the Fortune 500 companies that we have, majority of them are an egg based or have some type of egg tie, whether it's a trucking company, a CHS, um, General Mills, you know, all of those they exist because of rural Minnesota. So it's hard, I think, just how do we all do better? <laughs> like, that's what I said. I mean, yeah, research is great, but it just doesn't seem like people want to do it. But even if our own legislators can't understand that, I mean, we had a legislator that literally like didn't understand that concept, um, which, is, which is scary because they're an elected official. Um, and they're making policies, which gets to Grant's point of policy matters um, at the end of the day because it, it affects your life. So it's just interesting that we still can't seem to get past that hurdle of rural affects everything in Metro. <laughs> this, this is the point I wanted to get back to. Sorry, Grant, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I always use the analogy of, I think of agriculture as one of the cornerstones to society you know and if without that one cornerstone you know the rest of eventually the rest of it is going to start to crumble just to kind of add in there from my outside perspective being that steady kid y'all are way too humble <laughs> every 
single farm family that I have met, you can't brag about yourself. So it's like, it's like, you just can't do it. And all I want to do is be shouting from the rooftops, how stinking cool I think agriculture is. And how can we as, as an industry, as a community, get better about bragging about that? Because to Sarah's point, agriculture is the reason you have the General Mills, the Lando Lakes, the Cargills, and I'm sure you know there's a couple, CHS, a couple on there that I'm forgetting. And, you know, no one's going to do it for us. It's up to us. And I think we got to keep shouting from the rooftops and I know, I know you, you know, you guys know that I will, um, but I certainly want to challenge a lot of your listeners to do the same. You know, we've talked a lot of bad things about social media, but I would also say um, social media can go a long way too to help people. Um, and I know that I'm playing, I'm playing two sides of the card here on there. Um, I personally am not a big user of the social media networks, but I know how important they are for folks to stay connected now. I don't blame Speaking of bragging about agriculture, now is the time when I will advise you to go to fbmn.org and click the link that says join. Become a member. <laughs> Become a member. I swear I didn't tell him to say that, but I would definitely echo his comments. Don't worry, they know that it's, it's pretty near and dear to our hearts. So it's like, it's, it's funny though, like as you say that, I mean, we don't maybe tell our story in the right areas or enough and even as you were saying that like I was cringing internally as someone who owns like several egg businesses that are consumer based or have a really strong consumer tie I'm just like ooh, but sometimes I really just hate talking about what we're doing like I just mm, like even though I think it's cool like are people gonna think I'm braggy or people like I don't want people to judge uh, so I totally get that <laughs> that we just we do kind of stink about doing that and part of that's probably being midwest too like or or very humble people <laughs> but yeah, egg maybe specifically, because we just do our jobs. Like at the end of the day, we just want to do our jobs, right? Like leave us be and let us farm. <laughs> well, we're, de we're definitely not as loud as the Texas ranchers, that's for sure. And because back, okay. back to Grant's point, I mean, you guys are integral to how, I mean, agriculture is integral to how society evolved in general. I mean, being able to farm and stay in one spot is what allowed the human race to evolve. You know, you're no longer being hunter gatherers because you have the opportunity to stay in one place to build a food supply, to, you know, have, you know, more advanced shelters. I mean, going back to, you know, years and years and years ago when we're starting out as a population. Well, I mean, how many of our founding fathers also worked land? I mean, quite a, quite a few of them, if you actually look at the docket. So, I mean, back then that they, they realized, you know, with coming to the new world and becoming our own country, and being able to be self-sustaining with what they could grow, you know, they could do it. So, yeah. A piece to that of, you know, I know, yes, talking about yourself is super uncomfortable. And also talking about something that is so personal to you, because this is a business that, that you have built, that your family depends on, that you are growing you know, the, you are literally growing and nurturing the products that you're going to go then sell. It's something that's really personal to you. Is there a way that instead of talking about ourselves, we do a better, we do a better job about talking about how we raise that food? And I know that's not a new concept, um, 
there are opportunities though, I think for us to do a better job at that mm-hmm. and, uh, and to take some time to really brag about how much work really goes into it. Because I know you guys don't think twice about it. If you got to go check cows, you're going to get up and go check cows. If, you know, if something's broken, you got to go to town to get a part to fix it. That's just, those are the things that you do. And mm-hmm. I don't think in agriculture, we always think about that someone in the city would would not have to go very far to get that. You know, they don't understand, they don't understand how much work goes into what you do. Right. Maybe that's the piece we can talk more about. Mm-hmm. I think there are some people out there that are getting better about it too, right? So, so I know you're not on social media, probably not on TikTok, but I, I am. I am anyways. There's farm talk out there. Like there are, there's people, lots of them actually, granted some of them are not the best and probably should not be posting the things that they post, but that's everybody. But there are some that are very educational and I've even learned some stuff and it's all over the country, right? So I've learned things about people that are farming and ranching out in Arizona you know like I wouldn't have ever thought that you had to deal with that and like especially now um I don't know when we're gonna post this for sure but but right now down south when they're having the blizzards and everybody's you know posting about you know the struggles that they're having because they're not used to it I mean it's out there and as long as you know we're being good advocates and getting the word out there I mean things are going you know, hopefully it helps anyways. So, um, I mean, I've, I've used this before. Like we used to do preschool tours out, out at the family farm and there was this little girl. Um, she was actually a daughter of one of the doctors and he had, he had um, moved here from India to become a, a doctor and we were moving through the machine shed and, you know, showing all the machinery, this and that. And, you know, it pointed to, you know, well, what's that? And she's like, she looks at me and she says, that is a self-propelled forage harvester. What? You know, coming from this this four-year-old Indian girl, and she's like, "I'm like, well, how do you know that?" And I saw it on YouTube. Like, crazy the things that you know you can that. So it's all to to bring it all around. These are the things that we need to be doing. You know, I'm not gonna say educate because that's not the right word. That's not correct. You know, but just to, like to show what you're doing, and like you were saying, you know, to brag about ourselves a little bit, like. You know, because, like, some of the things we do are pretty cool. I mean, there are a lot of cool things. You know, like, right now, like, everybody's having lambs and calves and all those kind of things. Like, that's the stuff that, like, that's what we live for. I mean, that's, like, the my favorite time of the year is is calving season, so. And I, an important part about that, and I feel, um, I wish we could go back in time, and maybe in the magical world of Zoom, we can, because um, I feel like I've talked out of both sides of my mouth about social media. But I think what really what really hits home to me is that you just got to be honest in what you're going to post um, about yourself. If that's not how you want your friends and your neighbors and your community, to, you know, because we're all judged by our own worst example. So thinking about thinking about it in that context, um, that's how I approach social media and why I just don't really like to deal with it much in general. Um, <laughs> sorry I'm laughing <laughs> um but no just you know I think there's a lot of good that can come of it and being able to show full circle um even the parts about agriculture that that are really hard and that are really emotional um and probably you know tough you know when you when you lose a lamb you know there's 
one of my one of my wonderful colleagues at at the Farm Bureau office, you know, she she raises lambs and it's her job to to check the camera and she lost one of them overnight in one of the cold snaps and it was really tough. Um, and she she looked at it as this learning experience that I was so impressed by. And I know that's something that a lot of people, you raise your kids to kind of take that for granted. They certainly value how to grow and nourish life and where their food comes from. Um, but I think I think rural kids really learn that circle of life a lot earlier on. Um, and that's a valuable piece too, that I think bringing to the conversation of, it's not always pretty, but we do it anyway. But that's our jobs. Sarah, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking too much. I'm trying to let Sarah talk and she's like, mm, let's go, let's go. Mm. Very good, yes. <laughs> Sorry. I gotta make fun a little bit, you know. This is what we do. And feel free to cut out all the crap I say that you don't like. I won't judge you. So 75% of it. Gone. Well, 75. I'm impressed. That's pretty good. I know most people, most I people, they get like Jeff 85. Pagel would cut me to like 10. He refuses to join our podcast. He refuses. I don't know. His well, wife joined though, so we're all good. <laughs> hey, Pagels, we're uh, the first... The first farm family I knew that I got to, uh, I got to make my my tacos with uh, with meat from their farm, and that meant a lot to me to know exactly where it was raised, to see exactly you know how Jeff and Chandra take care of their animals, and and with uh, with Jeff's parents too. Um, that's one of my favorite Jeff Pagel stories, just because it was such a special moment for me. Um, I know I know a lot of the I know all of our beef in the industry is all raised you know very similarly, but for me it was a fun personal connection. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing too. So <clears throat> kind of to get back on, and we've, and we've been doing a really good job of it, but to bridge that gap, right, between like the rural and the urban, you know, what are some more ways, you know, that we can, you know, for us, because I don't know if we really have any listeners on the urban side as much, but um, probably not, but who knows. Um, but how can we as farmers and ranchers do that? And what's the best thing that we can do? I think there's a lot of ways that you can come at that. And we've talked about a couple different options and, and I, I can't believe I have just not brought up food, uh, you know, more prominently, everybody eats. And I think that's something we say a lot, We're like, yeah, yeah, we talk about that a lot. But I think what you, I will say what I do see on social media is a lot of recipes, a lot of meal prep plays. Um, I personally, Grant, am not on TikTok, but I have a very dear friend who always sends me the really good TikTok recipes. So seeing how you know, the food is prepared, and I think that's a great connection that we already have with, with consumers, with people that, you know, everybody's got to eat. Um, you guys know so much more about that process. And one of the trends from COVID, um, I think when in urban areas, you know, we saw some of the disruptions at the grocery store when people are like, what do you mean there's not just like beef here 24-7? And I shouldn't always talk about beef, you know, I know there were pork shortages as well. Um, But for people to have to take that step back and think about the supply chain and where that came from, um, I, I personally see that as a blessing in disguise for agriculture. 
and these next couple of years, I think are going to be absolutely integral in us connecting, connecting with urban people because they've been put in that situation. Uh, and that's not something that a lot of people are easily going to forget because they think, I mean, 2020 is not a year we're going to lose from our memory anytime soon, I don't think. I think we'd all be ready to, to move on a little farther, but it's not going anywhere. Actually, I was just looking back today on, um, on Facebook, and it was, you know, videos being posted, you know, back in March, April about, you know, just shelves being empty, you know, no meat on the shelves whatsoever. And just think back, like, if that wasn't the craziest thing, that could have been really good for egg, you know, and I think there, like you said, there were a lot of, and are a lot of consumers, you know, that, that really took another look and, and more thinking into their food. You know, like, oh, where does that come from? And so I look at it as, you know, crummy that there wasn't food there, but, you know, probably a good thing on the rural side and the egg side for the uh, appreciation behind it. And I should clarify, it's not that there wasn't food. It just right. was, wasn't quite there yet. Right. Well, let's just say, yeah, because like, because I know I was listening to a different podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but there was, there was talking about a, you know, a processing plant down in Iowa for, for pork. And, you know, they kind of had to, gosh, what did they say? This is months ago, but they had to drop down, you know, to a certain percent, you know, production percentage per day. And so the, the host, you know, he said, well, when are we going to start seeing this in the supply chain? As this was kind of real time, he was like, now, <laughs> you know, and it was, I mean, I, I had just been down, uh, I remember what store I was in. They're like, yep, you're right, because there wasn't what I was looking for, wasn't there. So, totally get it. So, how do we keep that momentum of that consumer, that connection with food going in the policy arena? Um, because obviously, farmers get affected every single day by policies that are made, and it always kind of seems like agriculture is on the chopping block anytime a policy comes up. Like, we're a target, it's like we have a target on our backs all the time. And like Grant and I were talking earlier, we're like, we're, we're, we're 2% of that population. And I had heard too that that 2% now just includes like people working in agriculture as well. It's not just farmers anymore. Um, so we're probably even smaller than that. Um, but, and we're probably one of the few industry that industries that like voluntarily make strides environmentally and, you know, all these different things and voluntarily tries new technology all the time and, and different things like that. But yet it seems like we constantly have a target on our backs, but yet we're providing food in a case like this where, hey, consumers are like, oh my gosh, I need food now. But well, that, and, like, and that doesn't help, that doesn't help the divide either. Yeah. Like looking from the rural standpoint, you know, we see that, well, we're trying to do all these things, but you just keep getting hammered. So it just, you know. I think what it goes back to is, I mean, ag is essential. I mean, talking about, you know, what specifically about what Minnesota experienced during COVID, um, that was one of the things that was really important uh, that we asked for, you know, talking with the ag groups and, you know, in having some conversations with the governor is ag employees need to be considered essential. And the way I think a lot of people don't think about food, that we should spend more time thinking about food, is, um, is that safety net. You know, this is like a, a national security issue, is I think the better term for it. We need to keep our population fed. I think the more and more we've, we've modernized as a society, you know, that's how we've come disconnected. 
from agriculture because people, you know, you live in urban settings. You know, I think about, you know, people who don't even take a coat to the car because you walk out to your attached garage, you drive to your underground parking ramp, you take the elevator up to your enclosed office building, and you can go a couple days with not going outside. Um, and I think, sorry, I got tangential there, but it all goes back to money. When you look at the state of Minnesota, we have about a 47, 48, give or take, billion dollar state budget. And agriculture is a teeny, teeny, tiny percent of that pie. And that's a lot of what I like to do. And one of my favorite parts about the lobbying and the strategy is, is being able to show why in agriculture, when you invest in research and when you invest in people, how much better out on the other end ag can make it. We know how to work within a budget. We know how to take care of the ground that we're on. It's, you're gonna do the right thing for your ground, no matter what it takes. I think that's something that was made very clear to me early on in agriculture is what you are willing to do for your farms. And I think that is really admirable. Um, I love working for you guys. That's another one of those reasons. Um, but, and I guess I don't have the answer. I think maybe this is something we got to come back to because I don't think I'm given a very articulate response. Well, I think it's something that's always changing too. I mean, like whenever there's, like whenever ag has, you know, a technological advancement, um, you know, whether it be cattle being more efficient or, you know, being able to produce 10 more bushels per acre of, you know, whatever commodity, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think it's always going to be that, you know, that give and take, push-pull type, type situation where it's, you know, I think the conversation just always has to be continuing and, you know, try to leave the, leave the airways open. Well said. All sides. Yeah. I think about it a lot. So it's, it's, like I said, I'm not like full, fully involved in egg anymore. Um, but I think that kind of helps too, because I can kind of see a little bit of the other side um, now too. So it's, communication is key. I mean, that's like everything. And so like sometimes I kind of bring fire references in on the fire ground, if you don't have communication, you can, you can kiss that house goodbye, you know? And so that's just, just kind of how it is. So, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I think we had brought up a lot of good stuff tonight. Um, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, like I said, you're one of the people that, that if I ever needed any political advice or the one person that I know has um, Minnesota farmers backs at, at the state capitol, like you are there, you are it. Um, very respected on Capitol Hill, I know. So we greatly appreciate everything that you do for Minnesota's farmers and ranchers. Grant and Sarah, you guys are too kind. Uh, it's been really nice to talk these issues through with you. And, and frankly, I would love to do it again. Um, I think I could do some, do some homework and do some more research on stuff on my end. And I would, I could talk all day with you guys about these issues. They're, they're near and dear to my heart, uh, as are you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Unspoken Ag.